What is it uh, in your life that you excel in? Is there, is there something in your life that you actually excel in or that you have worked hard to excel in? There, there was one time uh, we were uh, at home watching a, an Anthony Bourdain show, and I, I don't know which of them it was, but he was visiting Seattle and, and visiting several different uh, interesting eateries. And in there, his description of Seattle and, and into maybe the rest of the Northwest was that we were a city where people worked very hard to excel in specific things so that we could become professionals or known to be uh, aficionados in that specific category. Now, at, most of us know and probably uh, can tell from our own lifetime experience that that's probably not work but some hobby that we have, something that we enjoy and want to spend our time on. So, so maybe you're, you're, um, you excel in sailing or rock climbing, which I'm sure almost all of you are rock climbers, uh, or hiking. You know the trails of the Northwest like nobody else, and you can sit and talk about them. Maybe you excel in carpentry. You just are very good at home improvement projects. Uh, something that the Lord has never gifted me in, in any sort of way. What is it that, that you excel in, and, and how did you get there? We rarely think about anything that has to do with our faith as something that we need to excel in. We don't think about my prayer life is something that I need to excel in. Or whether uh, the ways in which my church attendance can be measured in excelling. But Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I don't know if you've ever read this or seen this part of it, but he actually calls us to excel. To excel in these certain things. As, as Maureen had read for us earlier, uh, see uh, that you excel in everything. In faith, in speech, in knowledge in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And this act of grace that he is describing is generosity. He's attaching it to the generosity of the Macedonian church to the Jerusalem church. And he's looking at them as an example of having excelled in generosity and he's calling the Corinth church to excel in the same way. And I think for most of us, if somebody was telling us that we needed to excel in our generosity, we would be quick to say, mind your business. <laughs> but we don't say that to St. Paul. We have to listen and we have to hear. Now, as uh, we can tell, and as we have described last week at the beginning of this sermon series, that generosity is generally lived within relationships. And so we talked about the way in which God is generous to us because he has called us into that relationship. Our relationship to him as uh, created and creator, as redeemed and redeemer, puts us in a place where we are the recipients of God's generosity. That as 
He has gifts to share. He shares them with us because He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to have us talking to Him and living with Him. But most of all, He just wants to share His love and His gifts with each of us. And so He has. And His generosity is so all-encompassing. And it is so large. And as one of the, the children, I think it was Quinn, said earlier in the children's message, God's love is bigger than this church. God's love is bigger than the church. Where His love is there, His generosity is as well. And His generosity is so strong that it has come into your life and made you a part of His body. That you have been brought into a relationship with one another and with me and with our brothers and sisters far off, even our brothers and sisters in Ann Arbor as they take one of our pastors away. <laughs> they are part of us. And we are part of them. So we share our pastor. <laughs> but he calls us into this one body. This begins with the generosity that God has lived for you. A generosity that looks at the one who has all things, who has all power, has all might, has the entire kingdom, and what he does is come down to become among the poorest. Setting aside the things that he needed to set aside so that he could wear our flesh, be like us, live in our own poverty. So that not only would we be called into His body, but so that we can also inherit His kingdom. So that we can inherit all those things He has come to make new. So that we can be in His kingdom for all of eternity, including right now. This is where our relationship begins with one another. It's where our relationship began with the Lord. And it is where our generosity finds its foundation and its purpose. That as God has been so generous with us, He has called us to be like Him. So now that we see the way in which the Lord has saved us and brought us into one body, we can see now how we are to be with one another. That these riches are not given to us to stay with us. Not just our spiritual, but even our physical and material. So Paul points. He points to the church that, that seems to be in the biggest struggle out of all of the churches. He looks at the Macedonians and he talks about the difficulty that they are living at that time. And the Macedonian church is one who is already a small church and is living in an area that the Romans have come and they've taken over and they've created great chaos. And so most of the people are living in unemployment. They're living without access to food. They themselves are struggling. But yet out of their generosity, out of the grace that they have received, they insist on helping the Jerusalem church. The Jerusalem church having come under its own times of difficulty. 
So they beg, they implore the apostles to allow them to give and to share in the generosity of the church. But then there's this other one. There's this other one that's living in a city full of arts and culture, full of economic success and wealth, one where people move out of the countryside into this city so that they could be where everything is happening. They can be among the billionaires, the millionaires, and the Amazon people. And this church, this church started its collection. It started to remember its wealth, not just the wealth that it has, that the Lord has given them, but the one that they have received in such grace. But anybody who's a disciple knows that keeping up with habits is hard, isn't it? It's hard to remember to sit down and read the scriptures. It's hard to remember to stop and pause and pray to the Lord. It's hard to remember our Ten Commandments and Martin Luther's reasonings behind them. It's hard for us to keep our orders of the day. It's hard to keep habits. And one of those habits that's hard to do is generosity. And the Corinth church started to forget it. Their giving started to stop. Their hearing the pleas and the cries out of Jerusalem started to fall back to their minds. And they started to look a lot like the way we as Americans are. Where we seem to fall back on this thinking that our generosity is something that's natural to us. That it's a practice that, yes, our, our parents may have put into our hearts and into our minds, but we just leave it where it's at. And so our generosity is still there but it's only there when we're reminded that we need to exercise it. When we see maybe the person on the side of the road, or we hear the pastor guilt us into needing to give. Our generosity is still there and it still exists, but maybe it's not something we pay attention to. But as in all things of the faith, we're called to excel and anything that we are called to excel in, we have to practice. We have to be intentional. We have to even remember to do it. The Corinth church had already gotten itself out of some very difficult spiritual times that we remember from 1 Corinthians. And even after they come out of it and they find themselves in the good graces of the church, they still are struggling. And their struggling makes them look a lot like us. So we hear the call of Paul to excel in even our generosity. But let us remember what generosity is. Generosity is giving of ourselves for others. 
God calls us into generosity to look like Him. And so we hear the words that came to us today out of John chapter 15 where we are called to give over our life because there is no greater love than this than a man should give his life for another. And for us, that may very well look like giving of us in our generosity. Because there are those out there, just as there are those in here, who need help. Paul doesn't, in his words, if you're looking back at 2 Corinthians 8, notice he doesn't use the word poor saints. He never uses that description of those people. He never begins to put them in a measurement of these are ones who are just economically left behind. Or these are ones who've just fallen on hard times. He's calling for the collection for the saints. Because here in the church, in the body of Christ, we are all one no matter what side of life we are on. No matter what place. Just as there is no Jew or Gentile in this place, there is no rich and poor. There are the saints. There are the people who are called into the body of Christ. And so the relationship of generosity we are called into is a relationship with one another where we share that with one another. So for that reason, our generosity does not become a labor of difficulty and hardship. It is not one where we moan and groan of the ways in which we share. We don't stop ourselves to ask, will this only be used in the ways that I intended to be used? We don't stop and say, can I get something named after me for that? <laughs> We're actually just called to generosity and to practice it in our lives. So we heard of the excellence in God's generosity with us. But the question for today, as we see the saints who are gathered here and the saints who are gathered far away, in what ways have we excelled in our generosity towards them? In what ways have you called your community here at Lamb of God to be generous for the saints? In what ways in your own family or in your own personal life have you sought to excel in generosity towards others? Because unless you're asking that question, it's going to be very hard to be generous at all. And we know this root of generosity is not our own doing. And for that, that is great gospel to hear. Because when we are falling on our own efforts of generosity, that's when we begin to hold on. We begin to hold on to our gifts of generosity. We begin to hold on to the things that we've accumulated and the things that we have begun to possess. But in Christ, we have been given a great inheritance, an inheritance that allows us to be free and to fall on his knees on, on the knees in front of him and to be generous with others. So I'm going to end this sermon in a very un-Lutheran way because I can for now. 
I am calling you, as Christ has done, to put into practice an excellence of generosity. Not, not just in your giving here, but, but in your life. To hear the call of the Lord when he calls you to do that gospel out in the world as he has done, that you begin to ask how you're doing it and in what ways you can begin. I am repeating the charge of Paul to you this day, that in all things we are to excel in the faith, in our prayer, in our life, in our grace, and even in our generosity. So be one with the body of Christ, and let us begin this excellence in generosity together. Amen?